0: Hi, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog. Today, I'm here with Jessica Maxwell, author of Roll Around Heaven, An All-True Accidental Spiritual Adventure. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your book. What's it about?
1: Well, Uh, the book is um, a spiritual adventure that I never asked for. Um, It's a 16-year memoir, uh, and I, I come out of a long tradition of conservation writing, um, international travel, a lot of uh, fishing writing, kind of about as earthy as you can get, and the book opened uh, in 1992 when my father died, and I was uh, heading three days exactly after he died, I was heading to alaska to go write about alaska salmon and it was late may and i lived on an island off of west seattle and there was not a cloud in the sky it was a plain of blue above me and i'm driving along and i look up and there is a a kind of a holographic projection if you will of my my father's face euphorically happy filling the entire sky And that's how, that's the first chapter, and uh, what you learn uh, soon after um, my description is that my sister called me that evening from a thousand miles away to tell me that she had seen exactly the same thing. And thus begins uh, a rather dramatic, uh, kind of ongoing, in fact nonstop, series of what we would call mystical experiences that, in this life anyway, I wasn't good enough to have dreamed up or thought of or even asked for. And after enough years of this, I, as a writer, I realized this was, is the biggest and most exciting and most important adventure of all. And that's when I realized I needed to uh, write it as a book. And that's how Roll Around Heaven was born.
0: Oh wow, it's quite an amazing experience. Where <laughs> does your uh, title come from, "Roll Around Heaven"? What exactly does that mean? Well,
1: um, my mother was from East Texas, was uh, uh, partly uh, Acadian French. We would call it Cajun, and um, so that she she knew how to cook that kind of food, and including classic chicken and dumplings, and she always said, <clears throat> pardon me, that her mother's dumplings were the best in the world, and she herself could never make them that good, and she'd be rolling, rolling the dough out when we were little girls growing up, my sisters and I, and I would hear her say, well, you can roll around heaven or you can roll around hell, honey, the choice is yours, and uh, <clears throat> then uh, quite a few years later, um, I heard Willie Armstrong, sing uh, an old song uh, called That Lucky Old Son. And he said exactly the same, The chorus is the same lyrics, uh, or the, the lyrics of the chorus match what my mother said. And that particular song is, um, I learned later when I listened to all the words, is a spir- a cry for spiritual
0: assistance.
1: And so mostly it's from my mother, though.
0: All right. And what about the all true accidental spiritual adventure? Why would you say that you're, well, I assume it might be your spiritual adventure that you're referring to. Why would you refer to that as an accidental spiritual adventure? Um,
1: Well, this gets back to the reason I wrote the book. Um, Pardon me. Uh, You know, uh, after enough of these experiences, let me take a cup of uh, after enough of these experiences uh and, and also in this in the second chapter Matt I I ended up with a spiritual teacher I didn't want absolutely out of the blue
0: <clears throat>
1: and um uh, uh after enough years of of these experiences you realize that this this is real Um, you and many, many people are way, way ahead of where I was back then and uh, were wise enough to become seekers early on. And I was not. I was truly a nature girl and interested in nature, although looking back, I can see that my love of nature was a deeply um, kind of spiritual understanding of it. Um, And a lot of people will Will say that about nature you'll hear people say oh the forest is you know my cathedral well yeah so so the fact that i and, oh, and also i should tell you i was not raised with any religion at all my mother being uh, louisiana french was raised french catholic and had a, a, a truly awful experience as a child with some just some really mean nuns they were just mean and she didn't want she thought that that religion was hypocritical because of that. She kind of threw the baby out with the baptismal water, but she didn't want to put anything on her children, and so I was raised a completely blank uh, slate, spiritually speak, uh, speaking. So the fact that I was raised with nothing, I knew nothing. I, I make this joke that isn't really a joke, but I think if you had asked me early on what the Last Supper is, what is the Last Supper, I would say, would have said, oh, that's when they ran out of food or something. I mean, I was totally totally spiritually illiterate. And because I was, and because I was raised with no religious background, because I wasn't interested, I wasn't seeking, I didn't know enough to seek, the fact that all of these things occurred, to me, authenticates the spiritual. And I want it to be authenticated to people who are either allergic, allergic to religion for the good reasons but also missing the good part for people who think they've got it all figured out and they call themselves secular humanists or atheists or whatever, um, to say, well, guys, there's a little more to it than that. And so I call it accidental because I didn't want to get mixed up with people who are genuinely seeking and would have hoped these things would happen to them. I was too spiritually dumb to have hoped for such things. So accidental and then uh, all true because there are some very wild events in in this book, and I am an absolute nonfiction writer. That's all I've ever done, Um, and I wanted to be absolutely on record that none of these experiences were embellished, uh, God forbid made up. Uh, It's absolutely, they are absolutely reported the way I would have reported going fishing in Alaska. So that's why I use those words for the subtitle.
0: Really cool. Why do you think these type of um, mystical experiences or synchronicities happen more frequently to some people like yourself, whereas other people they may not happen to as frequently? Well,
1: um, I I think that uh, I can tell you the holy pig farmer uh, who has been a spiritual counselor for 50 years, he says that um, just as with all genetic traits, um, some people are just a little bit more, uh, have a little more spiritual capacity developed than others. Um, And, for instance, I cannot do math. I wanted to be a medical doctor. I could not, I could barely get through high school math. Um, I, I always make, you know, like to say, when God was handing out uh, math brain cells, I had gotten back in the poetry line, and I just didn't get any. And so, you know, why, why do I not? Why am I not good at math? Um, well, I think it's just uh, it's another human trait. If if I worked really hard at math, I could probably, I'm sure, I could be better. I would be better. But it's not my it's not my natural world, and so I think that part of it is genetics. I can tell you that my mother and her sister, my aunt Katie, and Aunt Katie has a whole chapter in Roll Around Heaven of her own. They um, both were what what is called seers. You know, they could they could see um, what we might call spirits, and really all that is. Is that for some reason our brains are uh, can can recognize a little bit wider part of the of the light spectrum? Because, so sure, you know, the human eye only sees a little narrow strip of the actual light spectrum.
0: Right. And,
1: you know, I think. Uh, do you do you have a cat or a dog? Uh,
0: my family has a pet bulldog.
1: Okay. Well, have you ever noticed your dog or or uh, we have cats? sometimes they'll just kind of get very alert and they'll be staring at something yes. you, that we can't see. And I think that they're seeing, um, you know, these these spirit emanations and they're just watching them. And uh, also, ha- have you run across the, the term uh, orbs, O-R-B-S?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with that.
1: Okay. Well, as then, as you know all over the world now with our new digital uh, camera technology, if people will look at their pictures that they've taken with a flash at night, you'll notice these little pretty circular lights that are just kind of floating. And there are whole studies being done on these now. There's a, a Stanford University researcher who's working with an Irish uh, theologian uh, studying them. In fact, the book is called The Orb Project. Um, And the the photographs in that book are absolutely stunning. I stayed up till 3 in the morning after I read the book to look at all my photographs, and I found them everywhere. And so they're showing up in in digital photography. It's kind of giving us a, a technological tool to see what I think animals might see and I think that humans probably used to see but we've shut that part of our brains uh, down and also Matt if you look uh, if you look at renaissance paintings religious paintings and you know when we talk about a halo you know we think of a little silly round you know kind of a parallel with your head, hallmark-looking yellow thing. Well, in those paintings, they had full circles of light perpendicular to their heads, don't they? Yeah. You've seen, we've all seen those in museums and in our textbooks. Cool. And those are like, um, you could say auras, but they also, that's exactly what orbs look like. Exactly. So somebody saw them and recorded them and then painted them or started the tradition.
0: Wow, that's really interesting you uh you talked about how some people parts of our brains may maybe shut down so we're not open to seeing um those auras or orbs or halos as much as we used to in the past. Is there anything we can do um or shifts we can make in our own thinking or mind to help us be more open to seeing oh, that yeah. or just open to more spiritual experiences in general?
1: Uh, yes. Um, uh, in Roll Around Heaven, after I I told the kind of the whole story, and I brought the story to a close, Matt, um, at, at an experience I had um, at uh, Portland International Airport. I'm out in in Western Oregon, and that's our main hub. And and I was going through security. You know, God God or divinity or whatever word you're comfortable with really has a sense of humor and. Because I can't think of a more kind of mundane, frustrating, unspiritual place in the security line of an airport. And uh, to make a a whole chapter short, basically um, I, I, for some reason, maybe because I've been up late that night, but I'm up late and not a lot, so that can't be the only reason. But anyway, I completely shifted in to the most, Full-blown experience of being aware of the the um, you know almost almost the dancing atoms that we've known for a hundred years through quantum physics uh, actually make up what we consider solid. And I, I I looked up at these big steel ribs of the airport and they were vibrating pink. Oh wow. Yeah, and I, um, I, I had no sense of being a separate self at all. There was no sense of, of ego identification with being Jessica or being a woman going through an airport. I was gone. And the wildest thing, and this is where, where it gets to evidence that we all recognize this whether we know it or not, But normally when you're in a a line and everyone's trying to get to their flight and people aren't usually very, very polite, and yet here I was, totally not there. I must have just been radiating light or something because, oh, oh, here, I'll I'll help you. Oh, here, let me put your laptop in. Take my (laughs) time. And I'm just, and I look at them, and all I could see was their light and then normally it's like well you've got to take your shoes off miss or whatever and and the guy the security officer in the uniform he goes oh just go right through and i mean you're like being treated like the queen of the universe and yet there is no ego there at all to even want to be treated that way you're gone and then it was i know and it was christmas time and at the far end of this big open room at the airport, there is this guy they'd hired to play Christmas songs, you know, Christmas carols on a piano. And he looks up and he looks across the room and locks eyes with me and he smiles and he stops walking into Winter Wonderland and he starts playing this angelic music that I know he wrote himself. Totally inspired music. And so then uh, my husband, Tom, and I, we go, and I am just, I can barely speak. And we go and we sit down at a table, and I look around at everyone, and I see how completely asleep we all are to what really is. And, and of course, as you know, if you read the Master's and, um, you know, Autobiography of a Yogi, um, Guruji, so many of the Master's, um, they describe co- cosmic consciousness this way, and the other thing is, I was I was as blissful in how I felt emotionally, even being tired, even being in an airport, even all the you know frustration of travel. I was as I was as euphorically happy as my father's face was in the first chapter of the book, and wow. I knew, yeah I knew this is what the masters are trying to teach us. When Yogananda says, if you could have a minute, a second of the river of bliss I experience all the time, you would know what you're missing. And um, that's the only full-blown uh, experience like that I've had that was that intense. But I've had many more. And so what happened uh, since then? And so then it becomes your real goal. It's the only real goal that's worth anything. And that's what your morning meditations are about and uh, everything else you might do as a practice. So to answer your question, um, I, I, don't, I can't explain any more than I can explain why someone is just naturally great at learning languages and another person could live in another country 50 years and still can't speak the language, you know, it just happens. But I do know that we really genuinely are uh, spiritually, um, spiritual beings, all of us, everything, and I know that these abilities are there, and I, I, I get asked all the time, I want to have visions too, you know, I, I even had some jealousy, horrible jealousy, it's on, uh, to go on Amazon, there are these two reviews of my book, these people are flat out furious with me, and I'm thinking, wow, I didn't see that coming, um, the book is a teaching book, it's it's a suite of evidence, Matt, to, to try to bring people along who aren't always, already where you are, where you're already onto it. You know that this is the real deal. And then the, the epilogue, which is the longest chapter in the book, is everything I could think of to offer the reader a way to get started, especially people who don't know this realm and, and haven't, don't have a practice. But um, the other day I was a guest at a book club in Portland, Oregon, and one of the women in the club said, you know, um, I really would love, she wasn't jealous, she just wanted to have visual evidence. She loved the idea of being able to see um, with the third eye or with, you know, it's also called Scottish Second Sight, and I've got a lot of Scottish blood, so I'm comfortable with that. And um, I said, well, you know, the number one thing that people don't do is ask. Oh, and yeah. if I you know and if I ask people if I say well have you asked you get generally speaking you get two answers you they either say oh you think you would have you would have thought I'd thought of the obvious or <laughs> or they say oh you know god wouldn't bother with my little piddly request and that Last one is the damage of religion. That's the damage that says you are weak and he is strong. You are nothing. You know, you were born in sin and blah, 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 which I hope I don't offend anyone, but nothing could be farther from the truth. And there's a wonderful chapter in Roll Around Heaven um, called Nuns for a Week, (laughs) and uh, my best friend, whose name is Randy, um, we go to the island of Iona, Scotland, which is known to be a very holy island. And um, uh, we're, we're there, and um, she, she wants to see two, and uh, she asks, and she uh, has two dreams in a row, where she is told, you must drink the sacred water. And she woke up so completely um, enamored and, and, and on fire. She was looking all around for the sacred water, the sacred liquid, excuse me. And it wasn't until we got home that we found out that Iona has a, um, a sacred spring on the very top of the island. And that w- she and I went two years ago. So it, just last June, I went with Tom And we hiked all the way up there, and and I brought back some of that holy liquid (laughs) for her. But she had asked. She wanted to have visual guidance, too, and that's what uh, came to her. And we had no clue that there was uh, kind of a fountain of youth, um, so a pool that bubbles up from the middle of the island on top of the island. And, you know, so if if you ask with all your heart, and you don't ask because these are not parlor tricks. You know, we don't, we don't want these things so we have supernatural powers. You know, that's all ego junk. Um, right. You know, what, what we want is the experience, you know, of, of the divine, of the um, – maybe even divine isn't the right word. Maybe we have made up these holy words that that have served to take everyday spirituality out of the everyday – Maybe what we're asking for is the deepest kind of awareness an experience of awareness that we could have. And I think that that is our birthright. I think that every single one of us deserves to experience that. And I do know that, you know, generally speaking, you need to to ask and ask on a regular basis. And I'll tell you one other kind of neat thing we are now recording what we call the raw effect roll around heaven r-a-h raw with an exclamation point we're like the spiritual cheerleaders here and um the raw effect is that these all of these experiences uh, that i have and that i've recorded in this story are not my idea they have a source that is elsewhere and there's enchantment if you will woven into this story it's It's the real deal. And when people read it, it opens a lot of people's uh, third eye, their hearts, people who um, were not expecting to feel that way. And we have reports of experiences that are absolutely dramatic. Um, One fellow, he's a very kind medical doctor, absolutely science oriented, not even not even a nutritionally oriented medical doctor, a straight ahead, good old science-based medical doctor. And after he read Roll Around Heaven, he was outside in the summer, and he came back and he told his wife, all those flowers out there just told me, I mean, I heard them say, I am God. And another... Uh, person uh, we know because he's the husband of a good friend of of, um, of mine and my husband's um, uh, he and he's not he had a bad early childhood religious experience and threw it all away <clears throat> and he read only 40 pages of roll around heaven and that night this was uh, this was a couple months ago that night he was awakened by the absolutely brilliant golden white light that you read about, <clears throat> so sorry I had a late lunch here and um, the room was filled with this light and he said it was like they were enveloped in the purest love he could imagine. This guy worked for Bill Gates. He worked for Microsoft. Again, a right, left brained guy. Okay, And he woke up and when he told uh, his wife he was Totally freaked out, she said, and totally thrilled. And for the first time that she could remember, he, this was actually, this was in December, it was right before Christmas, he said to her, he would like to go to church Christmas Eve. And yeah, and this is not about trying to make people go to to church, to any any church or any synagogue or any temple or any um, mosque. That's not the point of Roll Around Heaven. But what does happen to people is when when we're opened, we want to do something about it, and you know beautiful churches that are maintained by people who who are all heart are sacred places uh same with with mosques with temples with um, um uh synagogues, all of them it's all about the intent- the buddhists are right it's the intention of the people involved in anything and um so they are these kind of holy sanctuaries in the middle of this wildly crazy world we've created. And once your heart is open that way and your mind is open, you, you want to go. You want to go deeper. You want to go at a place that holds that space for us, you know. Or on pilgrimages. There are places all over the world. Um, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Buddhist uh, peace uh, monk. Um, has Plum Village in the south of France, and if you can get a good cheap airfare there, it costs almost nothing to stay there for a week. Um, there are pilgrimages you can go to in, uh, in Spain, the Catholic pilgr- pilgrimages. and I know it, Santiago de Capicello, I think it is, um, where Paul Cielo, who wrote The Alchemist, he goes on that. Um, you know, there are holy places all over this world. There are holy places in your own backyard. But until we begin to to think of ourselves as being sacred and as our world as being sacred um, and get our hearts opened and our minds opened, we oftentimes these places aren't even on our radar. These experiences on our, aren't on our radar. And so if we ask the P question, well, why bother with spirituality, which I asked the holy pig farmer early in the book. I was an absolute resistant, plagued brat early in the book, and I said, uh, this is just too hard, you know, it's just too hard, I don't want to do it, and it's the only time he ever kind of was harsh, not harsh, but very firm with me, and he turned around, and he said, nothing, nothing is more important than waking up to God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And all of this is in Roll Around Heaven. It is It is not, I don't think that there has been a book quite like this by a modern person with no religious background, with no interest, who's just basically saying, you guys, you don't want to miss this. Um, and the introduction is an, is an invitation. I call it the invitation. And it's, it's come along with me on this adventure and see what is here in it and and there for you and i didn't it didn't occur to me that just reading about these magical all true uh events could kind of um transfer the magic to the reader but y- you know the tradition in india where you go and you sit with a an enlightened teacher and you become a, a a disciple, and eventually, if you do your practice right and your mind is right and you're you're ready, um, that what is is it, is it transfer? There's a word they use where they they kind of they kind of give you they hand enlightenment off to you in a way, and I think that what about?
0: is it? I can't think of the name, but I'm familiar with what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: I can't think. It's not transfer. It's Ah, I can't think of it. But anyway, the concept is that kind of like a relay. You know, we just saw the Olympics and like a, a relay where you hand off the baton, right? And I think that because this story is is from heaven above or from heaven within, um, that it carries that uh, light in the very words. And I think that that can be um, transferred to the reader, and then off the reader goes on his or her own spiritual adventure. And uh, that's more than I could have wished for, but gosh, it certainly uh, expresses the um, impetus for taking the trouble to write and to publish this book.
0: That's great. I really It really does sound pretty inspiring and heartfelt. Um, where can we get a copy of Roll Around Heaven or to, mm. that we can go to and get a copy?
1: Uh, yes, um, you know I've been on uh, a couple of uh, national radio shows now, and um, so we've done we've done uh, there, we've done a special thing. And um, if you go to our website, which is just you know www.rollaroundheaven.com you'll see um, there, there are a couple of places on the website that will tell you, uh, give you a link to an Oregon bookstore. <clears throat> and you can, if you want to, you can actually buy it through that bookstore. And then every week or so I go down to the bookstore, um, it's not too far away from where we live, and I, I will personally inscribe your book for you. And... Okay. Um, yeah, and then the bookstore owner will package it up and, and mail it to you. So it's a mail order just as if you were going to Amazon.com, but uh you can't get a personal inscription on Amazon. And um so that's uh it's it's actually the uh the tea Tea Party Bookshop dot uh, com. Tea party bookshop, no political implications, just old <laughs> fashioned tea party. <laughs>
0: So this is
1: yeah. the next question. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's <Just> a normal, it's <laughs> no, no. a, a normal tea party. <laughs>
1: Old-fashioned, wonderful Victorian tea party. <laughs> That's all the the owner meant when she named the shop. And uh, in fact, she did get a phone call once saying, "Is there going to be a meeting there?" And she said, "You have so the wrong number."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, but this book is for everyone, tea partiers included. In fact, they might need it. <laughs> And uh uh you can do that or you can certainly find Roll Around Heaven on uh, Barnes and Noble. You can find it on um com I mean, on uh Amazon com you can find it uh the West Coast um uh publisher, which is a partner with Simon and Schuster, is beyondwords com but but the website is beyondword, not the s com. And um, so, you know, all of those. The best thing to do, if you want to really help spread this wonderful word, is to go to a, an independent local bookstore and go ask for them. Ask them for the book, and they'll order it for you. And, uh, but if you want a personal inscrip- inscription from me, um, you just uh, go to our website, as I said, RollAroundHeaven.com and you'll see the link to the Tea Party Bookshop. And then within a week, you'll, uh, it should arrive with a – and there's a little place you can type. Maybe you want to get it for your mom, you know, and and you can tell me what you'd like me to say. Um, I, will, I have a funny story about that, though, Matt. A lot of people have told me they bought the book for their mom, thinking their dads would never want to read a book like this. And I can't tell you, I've had, I've had at least five emails where people have said, but my dad got his hands on it, started reading it, wouldn't give it to my mom, and and she had to wait till he was done with, with it. And which is very uh, gratifying because I guess I assumed it was a woman's book, and it isn't. And in fact, the most, as I've said, the most dramatic uh, raw effect um, has have been with men, which is really pretty cool, you know. So. Uh, it's for everybody. Um, also, this is very exciting. Uh, there is a new study, and a New York Times op-ed uh, uh, columnist named Charles Blow recently wrote about it a couple Sundays ago. And the study has proven that our 18- to 29-year-olds, the younger generation, are a yeah. spiritual bunch. And they have put getting, being closer to God or becoming more spiritual, up at the very top of their life list.
0: That's great. It's, really, it's, it's that, really encouraging to hear.
1: Yeah. It's so promising. And, you know, I wasn't surprised because I had to buy a new laptop in December, and I was at the Apple store, and they always say, oh, what do you do? What's your work? And I told them about Roll Around Heaven, and I was really kind of cringing, thinking they were going to go, oh, yeah, right. And the guy said, oh, we're all over that. I said, you are? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, all my friends, we're totally spiritual. It's totally global. We totally get this. Oh, and that's something else that we should mention. Uh, You know, I really do come out of a travel writing, international travel writing tradition. That was my career. And so um, as Roll Around Heaven gained speed, the actual story, I would be in the Himalayas and I would end up, with Buddhist Rinpoche's chasing evil spirits away. Or I would be, I'm not kidding, I would be in, um, in Oman. I went to Oman uh, on the Arabian Peninsula right uh, beneath uh, Dubai. And I went to uh, go tuna fishing in the uh, Gulf of Oman, 30 miles off of Iran. And I met these um, Muslim women a group of sisters-in-law who had traveled by themselves. I was, I was all, I had all the same, you know, misinformation all Americans do. And uh, they're from Dubai, and they, Oman is a four and a half hour drive away. So they would come by themselves for a weekend away to get out of the traffic and stress of Dubai, which is a very busy place. And they said when you come back through Dubai, because all flights from Oman route back through Dubai. They said, email us and we'll come get you. We want you to come uh, to our home. The kind of matriarch invited me. So I did. And they sent a driver over to get me. That's kind of their tradition, a woman driver. And then I sat, and that, I, that chapter is called Midnight Talks with the Daughters of Islam. And that chapter is in the home, on the ground, with Islamic women talking about women's rights, talking about Islam, And I can tell you that both in the Dubai, from starting in the Dubai airport and all through our week in Oman, what I felt overwhelmingly, now I assumed I would be furious with the way women were treated or something. I didn't feel that. What I felt was one of the deepest kinds of peace I'd ever felt in my life. And that is the result of people praying five times a day, you know, to a source that's bigger than there. there you go, uh, men and women. And uh, Dubai and Oman, by the way, are the progressive expressions of Islam. They're the new Islam. That's why you're having the, um, the political challenges in Iran, or they say Iran, um, because it's going to move into a more balanced uh, expression of this faith and um, the women's rights issues will be eventually cleared up. Um, but the holy root of Islam is peace. And so in Roll Around Heaven, you learn about Islam. You learn, learn about the early Celtic uh, Christians that thought that you and, and I and the entire world came straight from the womb of God. A little different than original sin, isn't it?
0: That's a little different
1: um, yeah and they absolutely worship nature, which is I live out in the Northwest and that's why a lot of people live here um, so you learned the early the early Celts the, the spirituality of the early Celts um, you learned uh, about Islam, uh, Himalayan Buddhism which is very near and dear to my heart and I had amazing experiences. Um, before I went to India, that made me want to go to India, and then in India. So there are two India chapters, too, that are, uh, w- which um, honor the Hindu traditions. So you've got Buddhism, Islam, uh, Hinduism, Christianity, and um, there's a wonderful, uh, I call him a rabbi, he really isn't, but a wonderful teacher named Noah Ben Shea, who's um, from the rabbinical tradition, too. And it's all covered, and it is, it is a new American spirituality that uh, draws on all of the traditions, East and West and Middle East, Eastern, and we are putting it together in the most creative and fresh way that honors your nature and my nature and what you are naturally drawn to, and you get to pick and choose and make it have meaning and feel right to you. And I think we are on the cusp of, a, of an ama- amazing American spiritual revolution that's been bubbling along for about 20 years now. And Roll Around Heaven expresses that, you know, it just kind of landed on
0: it, if you will. Well, that's exciting. I mean, that definitely sounds very uh, exciting and like a very inspiring book and um Really appreciate you being here and taking the time to speak to our listeners today. Um, do you have any uh, last words or closing remarks?
1: Um, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for doing this for us. This uh, spiritual media blog is—you know—that you, you're right in there, Matt. That is exactly what's happening. We're using the internet to connect with each other. Uh, all the social media to connect with people all over the world. Um, on the website, we have a, a, I call it the Raw Reader's World Map, and you will be astonished at how many little flags we have. There is somebody reading Roll Around Heaven in Thailand, in the Netherlands, in Germany, in New Zealand, you name it. Somebody's, maybe it's one copy, but we are we're just, it's already going around the world in a very kind of quiet way, you know. And so I think that, the most important kind of closing uh, offering I could give your listeners and your – what do we call people on the Internet,
0: viewers? (laughs) I think, well, for a blog, hopefully I can call them readers. Readers. Maybe viewers if they're just viewing the website. But if they're listening to this now, then I guess we can call them listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll say
1: all of our our holy brothers and sisters out there. Um, uh,
0: that, that huh? Is it, that sounds perfect. That sounds a lot better, brothers yeah. and sisters. Yeah,
1: well, and it's wonderful. also true. Uh, the thing that happens to you when when you begin your own personal spiritual journey, and the epilogue really will give some pointers for anyone who wants a little bit of support there, is that your heart begins to open wider and wider. And, you know, the Buddhists say that our mind exists in the heart. The heart is the mind. Very interesting concept. And as that happens, you begin to look at the world and, and look at people whose uh, skin color may be different from yours, who, um, who just look different uh, differently, uh, look different than you do, Who people who are from different faiths um you you begin to to see beyond the uh, material differences and you start to experience them literally as your brothers and sisters. I am almost weeping just saying these words because because this is what happened to me. I was I was always kind of a nice person you know but um, I can't even put into words what happened over the years of, of of saying yes, the only credit I can give myself is that I said yes. I said, okay, I'll try it. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll listen. I'll read that. I will, I will meditate. I'll try prayer. I'll do it. And um, what, what has happened to me in terms of the, the kind of absolute peace that I carry around within me now, and I used to be running all over the place totally busy, totally, and, and, you know, easily stressed like most American people. And what has happened to me is, is the most important gift anyone could give themselves. And, and, you know, that old saying, peace begins with, let it begin with me, peace begins at home. Um, that's what we're talking about. And if we are to have any future for this planet uh, these divisions have to break down it isn't a football game it's not you're a Methodist and I'm a Presbyterian or you're a Jew and I'm a, uh, I'm a, a Muslim uh, that it's way deeper than that and at the root of it the the quantum physicists a hundred years ago startled themselves silly by finding out that what is what is real isn't all that stuff it is that all of that stuff stuff is created by and is nothing more than empty space with intelligent responsive energy blasting through it i think that's what god is and it will dance with you and it will listen to you and it will respond to you if you give it half a chance
0: I, yeah absolutely i completely agree and um yeah, I definitely. I I feel more at peace just having a conversation with you and hearing hearing your answers and insights. So, I'm sure, cool. I'm sure. People read your book will have the same sort of experience.
1: Well, thank you so much for that. And and uh, I I should add. I mean, it's such an important thing that I. It really is. I don't take it seriously in that it's somber, but there's nothing that's going to bring people more hope and more peace than than a spiritual practice of some sort but that said roll around heaven is also a comedy and um i'll give you one last little fun thing uh when i was in india i was on as usual a golf assignment nothing to do with spiritual uh seeking but i ended up at the feet of this uh, master I, i i kind of ended up not liking him and you'll see why um who was also a scratch golfer he was like an 85 year old guy at that point but at one point, somebody asked him, one of the people listening to him, uh, he, they said, well, what do you think? Do we have free will? And, and he literally said, you know, I used to believe we did not have free will. But then I realized we have the free will to try to make something happen. However, what actually does happen, that is God's will. So ultimately, your free will is worthless.
0: <laughs>
1: so, I don't know if I agree with them but but there there are a lot i mean it's an it is an international travel spiritual adventure comedy um that it's really a lot of fun along with all the amazing lessons and teachings that were offered along the way to me and i'm just I'm just offering them then to you too, so uh, know that it'll be a fun read. And a, a quite a rollicking story on top of the important stuff.
0: That's great. Yeah, I love I love books and stories that can com- combine spirituality and a sense of humor and some adventure because those are really the elements of that makes life fun and worth living. So it sounds really cool. Sounds really good.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I I think so too. And I. I do think that, um, well, I've gotten a lot of letters and emails that thank me. And one woman said, she said, thank goodness. Somebody finally wrote about spirituality with levity, you know, (laughs) I mean the whole thing is supposed to make us lighten up, isn't it? it?
0: It is. It is. I agree. I agree.
1: Well, it's, um, it should be fun. And, and, uh, you know, there there are a lot of wonderful truths in, um, in the Bible, in fact. And one of them is that Jesus often said, I guess, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of, of heaven. And I, te- I, I have learned that that is really, really important to put your spiritual practice, whatever it is, to put it first. First thing, I mean, I do not get out of bed in the morning before I have done a, a whole, you'll, you'll see, I explain what I do. It's just something that's evolved over the years. But I, I don't, I call it mornings are mine. And um, I, it's absolutely first. I haven't even brushed my teeth or had breakfast or anything. And um, by putting it first, um, you know, the, the, the wonderful things that bloom forth and the difference, you can tell the difference in when you don't do that some days. You know. Yeah. Uh it's it, it's just um you know, it's an absolute proof, personal proof to yourself. So it really is something to be taken seriously and to be practiced with um with real uh dedication, but it but you can have a great time with it as well. It it really is a lot of fun. And one of these years, in a couple of years, we'll have the sequel, um, and it's it's just as crazy as roll around heaven. It's whew, <laughs> it, they just don't stop. <laughs> so, well,
0: why
1: don't also, you me, Matt, email me when you've read the book, uh, uh, and let me—I'd love to know what you think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd love—I'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds—that sounds. I'd be happy to. Definitely.
1: Oh, good. Okay. Thank you for that.
0: Um, well, yeah. Well, I would definitely um, encourage people to. Uh, Read Roll Around Heaven. It uh, I haven't read it, but like I said, just talking to you, I feel I'm much more in p- peaceful, much more connected to my heart and spirit. So I'm sure, that'll have a similar effect as reading the book too. So. Oh so wonderful! Much for, Perfect. So much nothing for, better. Uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just saying thanks so much for being with us for oh. all today.
1: It's absolutely my pleasure, and uh, thank you for doing this. It's so important and such beautiful work. It's uh, it's the highest use of the Internet, really. It's really, really very wise, and I'm sure all of your listeners and readers uh, thank you for it as well. So.
0: Yeah. All right, well, we'll just leave it on that, and uh, I'll just uh, look forward to reading your book then.
1: Oh, good. Let me know what you think. All
0: right. Bye. Okay.
1: Bye-bye.